This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. It is Monday. Oh, no, it is not Monday. It's Thursday. Get it together here. Thursday, April 1st. It is April 1st, 2021. And uh, this is episode 70 of my live chat. Hello, everyone. My name is Luke Thomas. I'm from CBS Sports and Showtime. And today, it is April uh, Fool's Day, BC. Could you form some words a little bit better, please? No, not really. They don't pay me to do that very well. Um, but you are here. You are a special guest. This is not a I'm joke. making history. Have any, has anyone ever guessed it on your live chat before? Yes. But it was, it was in an iteration that I think five people saw. Who was the guest? Jack Incarnasau. From former, Boston. From I love Boston, that man. Yes. He is a very... Uh, He's a historian, a historian of both mixed martial arts and pro wrestling, and he's uh, yes. very good. He has a podcast uh, that's absolutely incredible for pro wrestling. So the Lapsed The Lapsed fan, fan. yeah. yeah. It's, it's great. So shout out to you, Jack. Well done. Jack is a great guy. He was working at SureDog at the time. Yes. And then I don't think I had another guest ever except when you no, came No, true around. or false, did you, did you read Jack the Riot Act and give him a lecture like you gave <laughs> me before the start of this where you said... This isn't like regular morning combat or room service. This has my name on it. You got to kind of. That's right. You got to be a little bit more serious. You are a guest here, my friend, not a host. All right, then I'll let you handle it. I'll be a voyeur. All right. Okay. This will be a lot like your earlier, your <laughs> early sexual encounters, right? You know, like yeah. Uh, okay, BC. I realize you're gonna do. You have one gear. <laughs> you have, I explicitly was like, hey, don't do that kind of thing. And the first thing you did. I'm just getting it out of my system. I'm gonna be very serious. People know. Not just in the tweed, but also when the camera turns on and it's time to be serious. I don't yeah. know if you watch a little project called Ring City USA, yeah. but your boy BC can bring it. All, all, right. Right. You, all right. Do you talk about touching yourself at a bus stop on no. that show? No, I've been to Puerto Rico, though. I don't know if you've seen I, I have heard. I have heard. Okay, so here's how this goes. Usually it's just me. Today, of course, BC is here. We will go for about an hour and 15 minutes. I post an open thread either the day before or the day of the chat. People fill it up, and then we go to it from there. We can talk about whatever you want. Bellator is tomorrow. We can get to that or not. Don't UFC try to news. make us laugh, though, because that's for Room Service Diaries tonight. This is yeah. technically... A little bit of levity is okay, but right? Room Service Diaries will be off the rails a little bit later. All right, so, BC, let us open things up. This is you polluting. This is you immediately walking in and just peeing in the pool with your presence. That's what you do. First question, it has the most recommendations. Do you know why... It's actually to me. Do you know why BC was so afraid to say that Johnny Sins was his favorite porn star on yesterday's Morning Combat. A couple things. Usually this is not the first kind of question that yeah, we I'm get. Yeah, I'm not into this question, okay? Also, I don't know the answer because BC's a strange bird. So, BC, why were you so afraid to say Johnny Sins? I actually have never seen Johnny S- Sins, as you said. Sins, like, I've you know, I've never seen his evil. work. I've never yeah. seen his work. He sounds pretty evil to me, but... Uh, yeah, I, 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 what do you want? Am I here to talk adult films, too? I'm here to talk technical analysis. Right? Well, you can, is there a thing to this? No, 
I have no connection. With Are you doing a bit? I'm not doing a bit. Bro, I was, ex- ex- I was explicitly told there's no bits at this table, okay? Okay, but I'm asking you if you're doing a bit. No. You're not doing Okay, doing all right. Uh, okay, next. At the very top level of the heavyweight division, does Francis have an inherent advantage over his competitors by virtue of knocking his competitors into the netherworld so quickly that there isn't any meaningful tape for his competitors to study ahead of time? By contrast, guys like Louis, Stipe, and Jones have hours of tape on them allowing Francis to game plan for the actual skills of his competitors. BC, there's That's a great question. You get This is all you get in, in uh, your live chat? It's no, really good question. But these are predominantly what they're like. But the answer to this one is pretty easy to yeah. say, I would argue, BC, because one thing we always talk about when we have Patricio, for example, Pitbull fighting tomorrow, we bring up the fact that, dude, look, he is good as he is, and he is formidable. Uh, there's a lot of tape to study on him, not merely what he has become, but what were the pieces at what times that he added yeah. over time to do it. And I think if there's less tape on you, that's obviously going to be a benefit. So, yes, is he, does that advantage Francis substantially? I would say that it does. A couple caveats, I would argue. One, actually one big caveat, the way I would put it. Here's the caveat to that. You saw in this fight with Stipe, he exercised patience. And with that patience came an additional part of a second round. Not much of one, but it did extend that far. To the extent that he's exercising meaningful game plans, they're almost generally going to be very, not slow, but moderate, patient, not rushing. That's going to make his fights, as he fights the very best guys as champion, that's going to extend the amount of tape that's on him. I think, in other words, more tape is coming, and a lot of it. Good point on that, but certainly it's an inherent advantage because, no, yes, you know, how much are you going to learn from 40 seconds here, 20 seconds there? Obviously, that, that speaks for itself. But one thing you and I, uh, last night as we were hanging out offline, no cameras, Luke, just you and I. You I know? did record our interactions. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I'm teasing. No, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't. Oh, boy. Um, one thing, you know, we talked about of, of serious note is that even though Francis just I don't want to say shocked the world because we knew it was in him, but to come out with that thorough of a performance, it was jarring. It was shocking. When someone typically does that, they don't have a great resume up to that point. Yet part of the fuel of me being willing to put Francis so high in my updated CBS Sports Pound for Pound rankings, which would make a lot of people go, God, Francis at five? Like, what are you doing? Is his resume already pretty fucking good. Like, it's really damn good. Yeah. You and I went fight by fight Last since night, his UFC yeah, we did, debut. We did do this, yes. And it was literally like, Oh, he's got wins over all these guys, and all of them, for the most part, are first-round knockouts. And he's the champion not in, like, his third or second step-up fight. He's the UFC champion with two wins over Curtis Blades, knocking out Cain Velasquez in the first round, knocking out Junior Dos Santos in the first round, finishing Stipe Miocic dominantly in their title rematch. Honestly, his, um, his two best wins might be the fact that he beat Curtis Blades by stoppage twice. You know, twice. in... in Every, just destroying everyone mixed with, and then you brought up a good point, even the loss to Stipe, he showed a lot of sort of things that, that you know, spoke a lot of the, of the promise that he could do what he's doing today. He never buckled under. He never stopped coming forward. He, despite how exhausted or hurt he was, he kept coming back. I mean, really, for a guy who, who seems like he's come out of nowhere into this, his resume is pretty damn awesome. Yeah, it's, it's it's excellent at this point. Uh, but but I do. Oh, think Overeem. I mean, for you know, sorry. The first Overeem round knockout of Overeem, yeah. and let's not forget the Arlovsky one. Arlovsky was the number two ranked heavyweight at the time. So that's that's right. That actually that win mattered. That first round. Knockout. Right, and then the knockout of Overeem is maybe the most spectacular we'll see in heavyweight MMA. Um, okay, so sometimes we get into stuff that's not necessarily MMA related. Here's a great example of this. This is what I was debating um, Snyder with earlier. As a D.C. resident, 
Were you surprised at the mayor's response in relation to the Uber driver that died? You it got, seemed that she was deflecting from the problem. You got passionate as shit about this, too, where I had to say, guys, could you take Meet the Press down the hall here? I'm yeah. trying to do mixed martial arts. I'm do you know to, this story? I don't. I'll make it very quick about it. There was this uh, uh, this uh, Uber driver. He was near Nationals Park, which is in D.C., which is typically um, it's something of a changing area, but there is a lot of very expensive real estate on there. I would, I would actually call it right around Nats Park. Quite nice. I don't. I have not exactly reviewed where he was. He the was subject of gentrification. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. a pretty big one actually. Yeah, that's right. A lot of it was unoccupied space too, um, because Audi Field is right next to Nats Park. It's just kind of open space. But the point is this: he was uh, he was carjacked uh, by two uh, teenage girls. I think one thirteen, one fifteen. Both of them African American, and they showed the most insane, evil, callous recklessness. Uh, he was attached to the car as it was moving, and they, they walked over his body looking for a cell phone. I mean, absolute hideousness in every capacity you could possibly imagine. And uh, it, it tore the community apart. It was terrible. So she gets out there and on Twitter uh, didn't mention that incident. Uh, Who is she? Who uh, the Mayor Bowser. Oh, Mayor Bowser. All right. But then she put out a tweet being like, hey, we have some guidelines around how to protect because the carjackings are up. Crime is up in all major cities. At, through the pandemic, D.C. being one of them. Even in my quiet Connecticut suburbs, crime is up. Crime is up nationally. Everywhere, yeah. It's one thing that no one's talking about. Crime is up. Like the, 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 that 30, 40-year decline in crime, that, that shit is over. Um, in any event, so she was trying to do some mayorly guidance around it, and the tweet was basically being like, hey, here's how to protect yourself from car, car theft and um, you know, carjackings. You know, lock your stuff. Don't make you know. Don't make yourself available. And it was these guidelines. She even had a hashtag for it. And people lost their fucking mind on her because they're like, "Yo, so the drivers? It was the driver's fault that he got murdered viciously by two right. teenage girls. The fuck is wrong with you?" Um, this person was asking, basically, how do you think the mayor handled it? What is your assessment based on what I've told you? Which I realize you're getting everything I'm about getting, this second. I'm getting hand. through your your funnel there. I mean, it seems you know insensitive. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, you know, rake her over the coals and kill her over right. it. But uh, it seems like it was the wrong message at the wrong time. That's right. I did want to focus, though, on the increase of crime. I'm just noticing even in my local communities, like, uh, break-ins to cars and houses or just at levels we haven't seen. Mm-hmm. Is it due to the desperation caused by the pa- pandemic or more toward the fact that it's not as easy to get caught in some of this stuff with, with less people out? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to table that question because I think it's a really good one. That would be my hunch. It's hard to divorce extreme economic calamity from a rise in crime, but I bet criminologists would say it's more complicated than that, and yeah. so it probably is more complicated. So you're going to put it on a table and let it in, and let it. I think we need to figure out what the fuck is happening, but crime is quite obvious. Crime is incontestably up. That part we know for sure. Um, how long it will stay this way and why it's a little bit less clear, although economic anxiety. I think is a big one. My my issue with the mayor is, and this is what I, I agreed with the with the guy we were debating was, that was not the tweet to send out at that time, right? That was really bad. Though it was a terrible look. It was extraordinarily insensitive. I mean, this is a horrible murder about you know a guy who had done nothing wrong in his life. But does D.C. have a good may- a history of mayors behaving well? No. Mayor Bowser to this no. point has been largely fine. I think uh, I don't know if I could take her seriously calling her Mayor Bowser. I know yeah. everyone does the whole thing with the Mario Brothers, but uh, yes, this is a city that elected Marion Barry. But since then, there have been significantly more competent municipal managers. She has largely proven herself to be that uh, through difficult circumstances. But here's my point about the the guidelines she had released. If it was a different situation where this was a year ago, pre-pandemic, let's even say, 
and she had put up those guidelines, yes, with crime being down. I don't think that the documents and the guidelines she was releasing are bad. Whenever I've had my shit stolen in my car, it's because I left a phone in there. I left a wallet in there. Like, there is obviously something to be said for probably going to have crime in a situation where most car door, or less crime, excuse me, where most car doors are locked and people are ex extending vigilance. The problem is when you connect basic advice for general purposes to this extreme incident, which is as horrible as Ooh. you can imagine, the blowback was significant it to it. It gets pretty heavy in the live chat. I mean, you know, yeah, this is yeah a, sometimes. Wow. Sometimes we ask about, you know, dildos and shit. I don't know. Uh, not really that. All right, um, BC. I'll make it look easy. Okay, so they're, they're asking about more stories about hanging out with the Diaz brothers. I've only hung out with them really, really once, more times than that in extended conversations. But have you ever hung out with a famous fighter? Uh, I've gone to dinner with Rashad Evans and had a bunch of wine and said a lot of inappropriate things okay. and laughed a lot with okay. him. So that's, a, that's a, an event I've definitely enjoyed in my life. Okay. Outside of that, um, yeah, I've hung out with some boxers during fight weekends where they come out to dinner. I'll tell you what, I always say this, you know, Sergio Mora, the former junior middleweight world champion who's sure. now the color commentator on From the From the uh, first season of The of Contender. The Contender, one of the better people on this planet. It was before one of the big fights at the end of his career, I think his first fight with Andy Jacobs, where we, we uh, walked into a restaurant, Todd Grisham and I, and uh, we had a couple other people with us, uh, and he goes, oh, over here, he sees us from a distance. Now, he's having the night before dinner, before a big fight in the second half of his career. He's got his trainer, his whole entourage, his whatever, and he's taking them out to dinner. And you think about, like, you know, these guys aren't always making a ton of money, and they've got to pay for the camp, and they've got to pay for everybody. And he was like, no, you guys are sitting with me. And we barely knew the guy. And he's like, whatever you want, it's on me. And we're like, no, 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 but he's like, no. You, you, you're going to insult me if you don't. And just, you know, took us out, included him and his family. There, there's been some great moments from that where you really see what people are made of. You get to hear their struggle and their story that I've really enjoyed. I would trade those for a chance to to roll some tight ones with the Diaz's, yeah, believe me, me and, and, and live that lifestyle. But the, uh, the few times I've been blessed to have some of these interactions, uh, it's great. I've run into, like, Zab Judah at a bar and, and heard hilarious drunken boxing stories, that kind of stuff. That's but, cool. I saw Zab. What was the last time I saw Zab? I saw him... I want to say Mayweather McGregor. Did you see Zab there? I thought I did. Yeah. yeah. He had ridiculous gold chains yeah, yeah. with the glove and everything. Um, he's a nice guy to talk to. It's funny. You mentioned that. I remember when we went, uh, we went out with the Diaz's. I, I guess I didn't think of it until just now, but uh, they never reached for their wallets all night. But you know what? I was thinking about it. It's like if I was, if I was out here because a television show flew me out here to talk to me and my brother and then wanted to hang out afterwards, you're going to foot the bill for that too. That's a smart move, those Diaz. They're, they're, they're yeah, very, very they're clever. They're very smart. Uh, Rashad, by the way, he hasn't told it on the air yet, and I keep pressuring him, and I hopefully he will on Storytime with Rashad, but he has a really hilarious way of uh, breaking down how he lost to Leo to Machito and kicked off the one-night Welcome right. to the Machida era. Where he made the face and everything? Yeah, where he made the famous face and got folded up, basically, of just sort of like he says um, Machida really lulled him into a, a, a setting of complacency and sort of you know safety because he was just sort of tapping him with a jab, and yeah. he said he, he was thinking in his mind, man, Machida hits like a bitch. Man, Machida hits like a Man, Machida hit. Knockout punch. And he just got sent to, uh, to he said he was, as he got knocked out, he was saying to himself how much this guy hits like a bitch. So That's it's, incredible. The timing on that is just, and the humility to share that story. Yeah, of course. It can't be easy. That's a good one. Uh, do you know who the weasel is? You may not. It's a little bit inside baseball. There's a guy on YouTube who does, it's a YouTube channel, the weasel. He, he's on other social media as well, but like it's, his work is predominantly featured on YouTube. And he does uh, previews and breakdowns. They're all quite good. Um, he has his own style. It's certainly quite distinct from anyone, including me. Uh, and so this person says, The weasel has stated that Woodley isn't past his prime, 
He's just been figured out and is fighting better fighters. Stating that if you look at the stats, his output has been similar in his three-fight skid compared to earlier fights. Well, uh, tell your stats to shut the fuck up. I wouldn't say that so much. I would say the stats may... Listen, I've not seen the video that the weasel has made, so without seeing that, I don't know what to say. But my thought is that that is sort of true, but maybe beside the point, BC, which is... And again, I would need to see the video. Yeah, um, there was a time when his athleticism and his skill set was sufficient enough to be the, um, the dominant figure in that division. But I do think age is a factor. I sure. do think that the stats won't necessarily reflect that. And I also believe that, yes, he's now facing another wave of contenders that have modern best practices. Yes, the fighters are better. Um, the game. Ha- this is what it means to say that the game has caught up to you. The game but has passed you by. Stats don't always tell the. I think the key part when you lose your mojo and it can happen overnight. Like hold, you, hold on, just for the purposes of the exercise, more clearly define what that means to lose your mojo. What are you really saying? So look, I think that you can get old overnight in, in combat sports without yes. question, right? You know, one day you were whatever, and then the next day you just can't take a punch, or you're just T- not as sharp. Ton of evidence for that. Whatever. Yes. Um, I think he lost his mojo, his level of confidence and mental focus and discipline that he had all the way through the till fight. We talked about this with the resume review, and we even talked about this after he lost his most recent fight. From the man we saw at the till fight to the man we saw against Kamaru Usman. I, I don't think it was because of Usman's strategy or because he was that good. I think it was a different man. You know what I mean? You can say, was it... Too much focus on the, the rap career and the TMZ and all that. Yeah, maybe some of that. But something happened internally, I think, where, where yeah, we can look at stats. We can look at what I always like to say is he's, he's sort of a front runner where he likes to control the terms of the fight. And if he does have that control, he's so efficient. What happens if he doesn't? Can he rally? I'm not really sure if he's that type of fighter anymore. But I think more than that, he lost that mojo, that inner, that inner strength, confidence, and focus that allowed him to um, – feel superior to others, to game plan at such a high level and to be able to pick out somebody's weakness and do it. Now, is it harder to keep that up when you're physically getting slower? Yes, but the sharpness of that decline between the Till fight and the Usman fight leads me to believe that it wasn't so much physical and it was a lot more mental and, and, and internal. And I don't think the stats can, can say that. And I think if you're trying to say, well, look at the stats of those three losses compared to whatever, those three losses, those aren't, added, those aren't proper stats. He was backpedaling the whole time and on his back and just, like, barely surviving. You know what I mean? So well, I don't I would, even think those stats count in the discussion. I would say that, again, I would need to see the argument and see what the stats say to have a better understanding of what's being claimed. But just for my purposes, you know, look at the punch that floored Darren Till and then look at the punches he was he landed. Or let's say even the hard one that he landed on Vicente Luque that had Luque on skates for just a, just a moment. They're nice punches, both of them in their own way, but the one was, and they're different strategies for different opponents. One was precise and one was desperate. But one was the pull counter, and then and then you go right behind it, the pull two, which shows good reflexes, good timing, good yeah. just good, great decision making, you know, good reading of evidence. That's really strong stuff. The other right hand that landed, it was powerful because obviously Tyron is still a phenomenal athlete. But it was desperate and just sort of throw it at the target. Correct. The whole strategy behind it. He was just, go back and watch. It's a lot of just one-twos. One-twos because he's just trying. That's what I said on on Monday's morning combat. Yes, he had more activity and there was certainly a lot of verve behind what he was doing, but he was sacrificing his own smarts to get there. I know how smart a fighter, let me finish real quick. I know how, uh, how smart a fighter Tyron is. So to me, it's like whatever volume there may have been between the Till and, say, Luke fight, I don't know to what extent they're equivalent or not, but let's say that they were, 
Yeah, but they're not the same punches, and it's not the same context. So I get that your analysis is typically more leaned into things like technique and stats and mind can be sometimes more emotional. And that's, but I think that that's is, real. But that's what separates us. So if you can get in within, within the emotional side, do you agree that there is something, you know, I always talk about the, the aura of the Connor mystique of Mystic Mac and when he was riding such a wave of confidence that we couldn't put limit ceiling or limitations on what he was able, of, uh, able to um, achieve because he was just operating so high. I felt that Woodley had his own version of that to a degree as champion and it left him before the Usman fight. Do you actually agree with that? There's no stats that can prove that, but do you agree that emotionally, confidence, preparation-wise, he just was not the same guy anymore after the tilt fight? I mean, I think he said it. I mean, even he has, we don't know what those are, and obviously he um, appears to have, and I'm glad to see, I don't think it involves any uh, confrontation with the law or anything like that, but he said, you know, he enjoyed life at the top. He enjoyed being champion. He enjoyed the things that, the spoils that came with the position and part of this last camp, and then I think the camp before it, to an extent, was trying to get back to maybe some of those better practices. I had spoken to Dean Thomas, and he was pretty, what's the word I'm trying to describe? He was pretty generic about his descriptions, but even he was like, it's getting back to those things. So there's clearly, even they are telling you, at some point, there began a, they, the path that he was on that was great, and it de detoured a little yes. bit. Uh, and I think that gap contributed to some of his, his difficulties. I wonder if it contributed to his singing. Remember that song he recorded, that, that, that gift that always lingers of falling in and, and out, out of love, love with you? With, it, it's yeah. very similar to your boy David from New Orleans, right? Um, oh, ski da boo da boo da you know, What was the, the real world come song? Come on, be it? my baby tonight. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, come on, bit. be my baby tonight. Falling in and out of love with you. Yeah. yeah you're off yeah. note for all of it. All right, um, what makes either of you most nostalgic about the old days of UFC slash MMA? Great question. What makes, uh, I will say the specialization of skills, the fact that two people with distinctly different skill sets and they're like, tell me, you, I'm, I'm not wrong here, they are incompetent at the other sets, at the other skill sets, right? Yeah, so yeah. it's like wrestler against puncher, and they can't even remotely do it. If the one guy goes down that's not a wrestler, he's just like stuck there. And if the other guy you know, can't take him down, then he's going to get lit up. I love that. That's such a sharp contrast on the screen, right? I, I do miss some of that, that raw basicness of... of uh, remember people were trying to create their own bullshit uh, <laughs> disciplines. You know how they'd hold up those cards and it would say like, boxing. Kung Fu. Yeah. It would be like uh, Sun Jitsu. Sun, Joe Sun? Sun Jitsu? Yeah, Sun Jitsu. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It would just be like, you know, just made up words. Yeah. Like Pootie Tang talking or something. Um, I would say, yeah. I mean, I think what people just take for granted now, it, well, it, not even take for granted exactly. They just don't, there's no way to internalize it unless you saw it. But in real time when this was happening, don't get me wrong, there was still fiery debate and denial. But there was also a real... There was a moment in happening across martial arts generally where you were like, oh, we're beginning to figure out that some of this stuff, uh, like there actually is, at the time they were thinking, one way to do this. Like it, there was a real auditing moment internally about what worked and what didn't and in what situations and in what value. And of course, everyone knows the story over time and what it all became. But I mean, you could fear, you could, sorry, you could feel the ripple effect of fear being like, these dudes from Brazil are, they're ruining everything for us. <laughs> they're ruining everything because they are auditing these guys in a way that um, they had never been audited. Is that why, because we look at which, which discipline dominated throughout UFC history. In the beginning it was jiu-jitsu, 
But then it became American wrestling for a long time. Do you well, think hold on, that let's, was let's, the... back, let's back up before that. You, what year were you born? 78? Yeah, you're damn right. Okay, so I'm 79. We grew up as kids. This, this should be noted. When we grew up as children, the dominant martial art that everyone kind of knew by name was karate. Yeah. Okay? In the 80s, the thing to train was 1,000% karate. Yeah, because of Miyagi. And you knew a couple kids that trained Taekwondo. And you knew maybe some weirdo. I mean, there were there were kickboxing movies which had karate kickboxing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm telling you, karate kids now, karate is not the dominant strain. There used to be strip malls all across America with you know so and so's karate's dojo. Da 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 da. All that shit is gone. All of it is gone. It's a complete switchover, which then led to the big. But, the, but in terms of what we know as as organized mixed martial arts on major television, which of course started with the UFC for most of us or all of us, it was. Jiu-Jitsu right away where everyone's sort of like, oh, crap, this, the Gracies really do have the, the way to figure this out. There is one dominant. But you have to agree, it became, whether you think that changeover began in the late 90s or happened after the turn of the century, it became where wrestling was the dominant base, right? Yeah. It was like, you know, Randy Couture and Dan Henderson through the Matt Hughes run. Like, so was that the American response to to the effectiveness of the Gracie Jiu-Jitsu in the early UFC? I mean, days. you saw that in the early UFCs with Dan Severn. It goes, it, it predates that. Mark Coleman really being the most formative figure, I think, in UFC. Well, that's the best way to Oh, uh, no, it? Mark Kerr would be, I think, the first yeah. really dominant heavyweight wrestling well, figure. Well, and steroids, too. That was a great way to, to you want to counteract that, BJJ? That was, I mean, you, 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 what, you think he was fucking fighting a bunch of clean fighters? I mean, point. what are you talking about here? He was fighting other roid monsters, too. Um, so it really began there. But it's just hard to understand for if you're a kid when you grow up, like that the world is simply not arranged this way anymore. Um, so that moment where everything switched, and it wasn't just one moment, it was a series of moments, but living through everything switching over. Uh, and then again, when you realized, actually, it's not one style, it's a little bit of everything with specializations and, and blah, blah, don't blah. Don't forget, the, to the spirit of this question, don't forget the, the, the romanticized nostalgia of how much early UFC felt illegal, raw, and as, as I like to mention a lot, like, fa like real faces of death. It was yeah. sort of like, oh my God, like somebody could lose an eyeball. Yeah, like you really felt that. Even right? if you understood nothing else, the consequences of the combat, it was Like no teacher huge. is going to break up this fight? We didn't have a reference point unless you grew up in a really aggressive area yeah. to where like a fight could just go until one guy finishes the other. It was like sort of like, you know, well, there's time limits in boxing and, you know, fights around school or even at your workplace get broken up quick because, you know, whatever. And granted, at that point, our culture was a little bit, a lot more uh, say okay with the idea of just fist fights breaking out to settle things. But yet that was sort of like, they're not going to stop this until one person can't continue. Like, this is wild, you know? This yeah. is fucking raw. I'm, by the way, when you go and rewatch the early ones, sometimes you, you find a fighter you forgot about or you want it, whatever. What, what a badass Marco Huas was. Mm. What a freaking badass. Great tan, too. He didn't win a UFC title, but he was, like, absolutely do you know, do you legit. Know what, do you know which fight I watched the other day on uh, Fight Pass out of nowhere? Like, for no good yeah. reason. I watched Bob Cook versus Tiki Gosen. So why is that relevant? Because Bob Cook trained with Frank Shamrock. Yep. And Tiki Gosen trained with Tito. And so that was a big rivalry, and these were their understudies battling each other. Uh, now it's interesting because uh, Crazy Bob Cook, that's who he is, is the guy behind every fighter you can imagine that's done anything. DC? DC, all the AKA guys, both generations of them, the Fitch and Koscheck era, as well as the Kane and then DC era, all of that, Luke Rockhold, all of them. And Tiki Gosen is now a manager of fighters, uh, including Rampage, TJ Dillashaw, I mean, you name it. I mean, there's dozens more. Um, 
So I went back, I went back and, re and uh, Frank Shamrock, oh, sorry, um, uh, uh, B Crazy Bob Cook won. All right. Uh, okay. Let's get back to this serious chat, Luke. Hey, there, the camera's on you, bro. Yeah, I know. What are your thoughts with Gordon Ryan potentially transitioning to MMA? Um, I can't imagine you've seen a lot of his no. competitive work. I would say I'm interested to see what happens. I mean, look, they're going to match him up correctly. Gordon's very bright. The people around him are bright. Gary Tonin, who you know, obviously you've seen Gary fight. Gary has already laid a path for you know transition and what it all can look like. And so, in general, I would expect success. I would ex uh, expect success for a dominant period. But I think it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, I haven't seen. I didn't see his match against Wagner Hocha or some of the other more recent ones. The last grand exposure I got to his game was either some instructional or the the last ADCC. And some of that. I mean, what what do you say about Gordon? Gordon likes to find a way to get on top or work from the back and to find the back, and he is just excellent at it. A lot of that stuff, though, from ADCC was sitting guard, which is just not really relevant in MMA. Um, and so I have seen Gordon do a little bit of wrestling. It's pretty good. But he also will tell you that even through that ADCC camp, they worked on a style of wrestling that is specific to yeah. submission wrestling. Uh, it's not specific to MMA uh, or certainly not even wrestling wrestling. So he's got work to do. He's got work well, he's going to gonna always have work to do coming from a specialized sport to try to round out his game and when there's a curve with that. But guys sometimes don't get there if they don't have the intangibles, right? The ability to take a punch and come back with one, that kind of stuff. What do you know about his – I know he's a public troll and he's very confident Huge and all win. that. But what do you know about his intangibles up to this point that would lead you to believe that when he gets into striking wars, when things aren't going his way, that he can – Survive and swim. One of the first times I ever, uh, Gordon ever, Gordon has made a lot of people, even supporters, eat their own words because he's been doing this. I'm gonna, uh, there was a time when he was a brown belt and Gary Tonin was taking him around and being like, this brown belt will submit any black belt. Here's, come on down and come, come have a shot at it. And he would just keep submitting all these black belts and it was pretty interesting. But the one time he really made me eat my words when I was like, oh, he's EBI good. What you have to understand about EBI for what it once was, they did have A-class competitors in EBI, but EBI relative, it's a great competition with very interesting rules. What the hell is EBI? Uh, Eddie Bravo Invitational. Okay. Relative to so ADCC. They, they conspiracies. Yeah, yeah. Relative to ADCC or Nogi Worlds, it's not the premier tournament or, or win. Those are all A-class competitors, every one of them. So it's a little bit different. So I thought he was EBI good. He had a match, to answer your question, Gordon had a no-time-limit, sub-only match with Keenan Cornelius, okay? And at the time, Keenan was the big American hero. Yeah. And I thought Keenan was going to give him that work. Uh, it went over an hour. I think an hour and like Damn. 15. It went, it went like an hour and 15 or maybe even longer than that. They do that in that shit? It, dude, no time limit. The only way to win is to submit the other guy. That okay, is that, it. That, there's some early UFC feels with that, right? uh, Yeah, they still do it. Uh, U.S. grappling. Dude, U.S. grappling, that's the only thing. No time limit, sub only. You'll see black belts go for two, sometimes three hours. Uh, anyway, Gordon won. Gordon yeah. showed resilience there and beat him in that kind of format, and I was extremely impressed by his grit there. So I I'm intrigued by the idea that there's no time limit, but you mentioned there was that league where they get high beforehand? Uh, high they, rollers. Do they have time limits and high rollers? I do not know. Their, I think they use the EBI rule set, if uh, memory okay. serves. Okay. And then they just smoke a shitload yeah, of marijuana. Yeah. That'd be, that's interesting. <laughs> you know? Imagine if we did a, a high roller morning combat edition. That'd we be, should do that. Wild. Speaking of which, how funny that someone goes, could we ever see Stone or Luke make an appearance on B-Real's Smoke Box? Have you seen this show? 
I, I know of it. I haven't watched an episode. Yeah, so Be Real, the former, well, I guess he's still the, 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 yeah. the head guy over or whatever at Cypress Hill. The lead singer, if you will. Is he a singer, though? Rap, the lead. The lead rapper? The lead artist. Uh, he has a show where everyone sits in a car, not really a car, but it kind of looks like a car, and then they just hotbox it. Um, you ever hotboxed a car? Oh, hell yeah. yeah. <laughs> I hotboxed a couple. To, the, to, the, to yeah. the level where you cannot see the person that you're passing to. Like, that, I, that is so I, was like, I never hotboxed a car until, I'll, I'll, I'll say this is true, I never hotboxed a car until maybe 27 or 28 years old. Because remember, I was in the Marine Corps until 25. So I didn't really touch marijuana at all until, you know, years later. And so they were like, hey, let's go hotbox this car. And we hotboxed the shit of it. Have you, it was the first time ever. I'll never forget. Uh, do you remember what song was playing in the car when you did it? Because I can do that with this one. Damn. It was 8-Ball MJG to the White Meat. Have you ever heard that song? I, I don't know it offhand. 8-Ball uh, and MJG have a song. And uh, I can't say it because there's, you know, there's some inappropriate language in some there. Some racist undertones? Well, if... I mean, you know, I, no, if I said it, it would be. Some misogynistic overtones? No, they, it's called white meat <clears throat> because the chorus is beat that, beat this dude's head to the white meat. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and uh, it's a great song. It's a great song. Uh, I remember that was my first time Luke, ever doing it. I didn't, you know, you know I'm from a factory town, right? Who doesn't? At I this didn't point? realize I grew up white trash until I start to realize that, you know, we'd go over the Herd Brothers' house and they had one of those cars in their yard that. Didn't work. It just stayed there. So it just stayed there. It yeah. just became part of the yard, right? I think there were tires on it, but it didn't work. That became the hot box, yeah. right? And so it'd be like broad daylight, you know, in the afternoon, and this thing you couldn't see through the windows because we're in the middle of it. I mean, you know, that, that, that's where I come from, Luke. Yeah. You know? Yeah, smoking out. I, I either owe a lot of who I am to that or I lost a lot of who I could have been. <laughs> like, you really have to ask yourself that question, okay? A little column A, yeah. column B. Yeah. Uh, let's see, Luke and BC, do you think Dana and the UFC are missing out on traction towards their organization by not allowing MMA media to do their jobs properly? No, I don't, <laughs> I don't, no, think, wait, I don't why, think they look at it that okay, way. Why do they not let media do their jobs properly? Hold on, let me finish the question and we'll circle back. All right, so do you think Dana and the UFC are missing out on the traction towards their organization by not allowing MMA media to do their jobs properly? After all, bad publicity is still publicity. And do you think we will ever see the day where MMA media stop sucking up to the UFC? I need my fucking glasses. Uh, and help make a change for the better, like in the case of fighter pay. Hmm. No, no. Uh, on uh, no. Well, well, I mean, listen. Let's let's go with the first one first. Do you think Dana and UFC are missing out, BC, by by being angry at MMA media for asking questions about their business? No, I don't practices? think they're missing out. They 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 put a certain level of intimidation out there that show that snuffs out Luke. Some of the people who who may be oh, uh, who may be pre-inclined to be very journalistic-centered to try to expose things, and also who will be barkers who will stand on the mountaintop and be like, "Some of this shit is wrong." They kind of they don't silence. The, well, do they silence those people? They they get them out of their close sphere. I don't think. Yeah, here's what they don't do, to my knowledge. They don't call up people and like, "Don't publish that." Yeah, I don't. I don't think that's how it but works. But would you agree there is a threat? Now, the threat doesn't stop us, for example, on this show for saying what we feel. I mean, we, we regularly call out, you know, that wasn't, you know, that was not safe. I mean, we, look, we call out Dana to the point that he puts at least one of us in a four-minute video trashing us publicly, right? Yeah, that was so, you. That wasn't so, me. But you get my point. Dana like, loves me. Like, we're not afraid of the realities out there, but we do understand the threat of the realities, meaning sure. that you don't go to a ton of fights, but you have. I love going to fights and covering them. I mean, that is the... The one, you know, the major hook that gives me the passion to do this job, 
But I know that could be that could be taken away because of one out of context comment. They've put that threat out there. It hasn't stopped me from doing my job. But do you believe, Luke, it has stopped many others? Sure. Um, I think a lot of people, you know, even before all this, like I lived in an era um, before Loretta Hunt was banned. I know what that's like. Yeah. I know. I knew what it like when she was like the maybe the premier reporter in MMA. And uh, Dana White put out this video after one of her reports. God, and, that was a rough video. And he, you know, he, he was like, why are managers backstage? And, you know, uh, anyone who leaks stuff anonymously is a six-letter F word. And he, you know, he's gone back. We don't have to relitigate it. And I'm not here to say that, like, oh, he should forever pay for that. He apologized for all that stuff. It's fine. Whatever. I'm just saying, in terms of, like, like how do you live through that and not go, oh, right. There's a limit they'll tolerate. And I don't know what exactly that is, but you can guess where it starts. We'll see what happens. <laughs> yeah. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Oh, Luke, did you want to tease to the audience, especially the ones that are thinking of leaving right now and shutting the stream off, that we're going to open up some gifts we got some of our, from our viewers? Later? Yeah, we are. So after this is after we're done, we got a bunch of stuff that y'all have sent. Hopefully, it's hope, not an anthrax sandwich. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to assume that it's not rice. I did pre-open them just in case anything popped out, Luke. I didn't want that to happen on on you know. Uh, okay, let me pull this up if I can um, on this because I can read better. Because um, I stupidly did not pull up my glasses. Here we go. Um, oh, what was the second part of this question? I already have this up, BC. So yes, does it? Does it? No, they're not missing out on Danny. anything. They're they are getting a better. Uh, here's the other one. You know what they've do created you... with that, Luke? Yeah. With before you do that, with the threat that's out there, they have created a subculture of new wave MMA journalists who are about on-camera performance and putting over the brand. I don't want to say in exchange for access, because I don't think it's it's that. Are you hearing me? Are you with me? I don't think it's in exchange for access. I just think people have realized if I take this tone and I go this way, I'm going to still be able to get traffic and pay my bills and do what I want and get to go to these fights. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I think they realize that like you can create difficulty for yourself or you can just make this easy on everyone. And let's just make it easy on everyone. And um, I don't begrudge them that because that's, that's the only way to have a to have longevity. That won't keep you safe either, by the way. If they decide exactly. one day that they don't want you, they will find a reason. And I'm not here to high horse them. I mean, a lot of what we do is entertainment, right? Sure. I just mean to say that um, you know I don't begrudge those people because they're just trying to look out for their future. It's, so the question is, if you, you need some players in the industry who are willing to ask, like, listen, it's not popular to ask questions about like, hey, um, uh, is are there best other are other are practices in this industry that are fucked up? It seems like you would want to ask those. Trust me, the powers all, and it's not just UFC. It's like all the very anybody who's got power in this industry doesn't want you asking questions about the way in which they've got stability mm-hmm. in the make Poor money. Mark Ray Mundy got booed out that time. It was a legitimate question about the about the, about the Rona. About COVID, Turns yeah. out it's like with like the most important question. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I think Aaron Bronsetter asked him uh, as well, and you know he got a very glib response. AB's got a Canadian backbone. That guy, right? That mm. Toronto fella. Yeah. Well, the thing is, he's Canadian, so he still has to be nice. That's true. You know? It's very polite. Uh, let's see. What's the most realistic path to unionization amongst fighters? Someone gifting it to them? Um, I mean, they're not, I mean, I don't want to say they're not going to do it, but yeah, I, on the, okay, let's list them. You've got Ali Act, you've got unionization, you've got trade association, you've got um, some kind of lawsuit breaking up the powers, blah, blah, blah. If you had to do a, a, a power ranking about what thing is most likely among those things to disrupt the industry, 
I'm going to put the fighters getting together and unionizing somewhere near the bottom. Ali acts well, to you me would it need seems an, significantly more likely. You would need an incredible commitment from an upper tier amount of fighters with something to lose, and you would need them to be willing to sit down and say, "Go ahead, bring in scab fighters," you know, or "Go ahead, do what you want. We are not bending." And then you would need to hope, Luke, that the line, then the circle they create around them is so strong that people wouldn't be picket jumpers and, you know, the UFC call up and go, hey, I know you're part of that union thing, but we'll pay you four times more than you've ever made to come main event this card. People are going to be jumping off ship left and right. So you would have to have such a strong core of fighters who are like, we are not fighting again until this gets changed, no matter what you do. Yeah, and you, you don't had, have You that. had Derek Lewis yesterday being like, I'd fight for $8 million. I'm like, oh, my God, you guys. This is why. Well, I, but I can't, you can't be mad at anybody, Luke, when they are when there are fighters who have had you know even six, seven, eight, nine year careers and maybe haven't really made a ton of money and have taken on a ton of damage and they may have some okay, but dude, name Derek notoriety. Lewis tweeting, I I want to make eight million, is not going to get him eight million, and you know it's not. It doesn't no. actually work. But would you be mad at him for for say, wanting eight million? Everybody no, wants no for 8 basically million. the spirit of saying, okay, John, I know you're trying to take a stand, but God, I'd take a lot less than that to take this fight tomorrow, dude. You know? I don't mind people thinking about their own finances first, but there are multiple ways in which you can do that. And one of them is if you just quietly want to say, you know, yeah, I'd fight for that much, but recognizing if you let the situation play out, um, these are the kinds of strategic long-term thinking to act as, here's what you can't get the fighters to do, to, to just cut this off. You can't get them to view themselves as having a shared destiny. They don't, wanna, they don't want to act as if they have a shared good and a shared destiny. They want to act like we can't do that. But the truth is, they of course could. This is crazy, Luke. Here's what's crazy. The same thing that you just said about MMA fighters and what is preventing the idea of full unionization, unionization is the same thing I say when you say, BC, what's, what's, what's a fucking problem with your fucked up boxing? Like, your boxing, I know you love it, BC, but this sport's effed up. They can't make the fights. I can almost give you the same speech that you give about the MMA fighters, but about the boxing promoters. Everyone is thinking, everyone is so freaking focused on short-term right. rather than long-term and the long-term health of things that they constantly make short-term decisions with long-term realities associated with them. And it just keeps delaying the idea of coming together. You know? Thoughts on UNBC doing a Fight Companion-style show for the Paul Askren fight? Luke, you don't care enough to watch it properly, so you and BC watching it together... Having a few drinks could be great for us to watch. I'd do that. Yeah, so there's certainly, we've, we've mentioned before that there's been sort of ideas thrown on in talks. Can we create our own version of some kind of fight companion for big fights? There's some hurdles, Luke, one of them being that, you know, I, I write for CBS Sports and I do a lot of deadline work, but um, it's not an obstacle we couldn't overcome for the right fight. And we were, you know, we, we almost came close to kind of launching something like this. We did, we did. Uh, I would say... Um, there's a lot of things BC and I are interested in doing. It's just a little bit harder in certain cases to make all of them work. But in due time, I think we will. I think that's probably fair to say. In due yeah, time. yeah. We're not going anywhere, Luke. I just yeah. re-signed. You and I, I know. we're either going to make this work or we're going to divorce very, very, you know, when Harry disastrously. No, yeah. not that. Wait, no, Kramer no, versus Kramer. Harry Metzeli, they just kept yeah. re reuniting and banging. banging yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe like Greg Hardy inviting Tai Tuivasa to fight. Yeah, I mean, hey, hey, bro, let's bang, right? Um, fa favorite 80s non-action movie? Great question. A little tougher than it sounds. Favorite 80s? Okay, that, no, that's a great question, because you're right. All my favorite 80s movies would be like Rocky Three, yeah, uh, all the ones we were Schwarzenegger. Kids, like blow them up shit. Yeah. Let me look if this one is 80s or not, because it's right on the border. 
and I'll tell you what the best 80s movie is. Did you watch that Woody Allen documentary on HBO Max? I tried to, and I got really gross. I just got It gets worse, dude. All right, the best. It gets way worse. My favorite movie of the 1980s that's not action is 1989's Dead Poet Society with Robin Williams. Oh, what a great which movie. Which could have, it could have won Best Picture that year. It could what have. What a great movie. What a, what a freaking classic. That's a fin- Timeless um, classic. How about like E.T. or like The Goonies? Oh, no, Goonies Goon- is action. Yeah. Action yeah. adventure. So you can't put like a war movie in there either. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I, you know I'm a big fan of. Um, tell me if I'm lame for saying this. What's um, no oh, Die Hard? Saint Elmo's Fire. Oh my god! I fucking love that movie. You don't know? No, no. No. What, what about like? You don't like that movie at all? Saint Elmo's Fire? Yeah. No. Really? Yeah. No. I don't think you've seen it. Not in a long time. All right. All right. All right. Uh, doesn't resonate. Um, <clears throat> Yeah, like there's like there's some crazy, like what? Well, that was action. Everything is that even like adventures and babysitting is that action too, Luke? Yeah, action and adventure. Yeah. Yeah, and you're right. All the Goonies stuff is action. Um, you like any serious like adult drama? What am I gonna say? I watched fucking Beaches when I was a kid. You know, I want to watch blow 'em up shit. I mean, what? Okay, Rambo. what about Ra- what about Rain Man? That this works, right? Uh, is that late '80s or early That's '90s? That's late '80s. And I think it won best pick. If it didn't win best picture, it won uh, best best actor. I gotta tell you, like, what like you know, what they don't make anymore because they just turn them into like movies or, or sorry, uh, miniseries or TV shows. They don't do like lawyer movies anymore, right? You know, right? Um, I feel like there must have been some great ones in the '80s. Oh, Trading Places, dude. Trading Places is not an action. Movie. Oh, right. We we're forgetting comedy as a major. Uh, da- I mean, we're talking. We were leaving out all of Chevy yeah. Chase's best we're shit. We're leaving out Fletch and uh, Spies Like Us and that kind of shit. I mean, so dude, Trading Trading Places. To me, is like that's I won't say it's peak Eddie Murphy, but it's definitely peak Dan Aykroyd, and it's just a phenomenal movie. I do, sometimes I go on these runs, Luke, where I try to fill in. I never watch movies as they happen. You know what I mean? Like this most recent year when I was watching like 1917 in the theaters, and then Parasite, and then uh, what was it? Oh, then uh, the Adam Sandler Uncut Gems. I never do that. I always watch movies way too late. Mm-hmm. But I try to go back and fill in the blanks and pick out a year and watch all the Oscar Best Picture nominees. And some of these 80s is like. Adult dramas are just, you know, like terms of endearment and some right. of these other. It's just like, fuck you, right? Yeah, just get fucked. Get out of here. I don't, just, I don't have time for that. Just bullshit, get fucked. Right? Uh, okay. What's that divorce movie with Woody Allen? Oh. Um, oh, well, Kramer versus Kramer is the divorce. Is that, that's the one, right? The one I said? Yeah. Which I mean, I've, I've seen, seen a million terrible. times. And you lived it, Luke. I, I, I did live it. God. It was not pretty. Did you ever see that foreign movie in the 80s, The Gods Must Be Crazy? Yes, I thought you were gonna say Emmanuel. I've seen that entire all the. Emmanuel. Oh, have you ever seen My Life as a Dog? I think so. That's a foreign language movie too. That was big in the '80s. All right. All right. Uh, ben, I think he's talking about Ben Askren, stated that many people in the wrestling community say that Colby isn't a good guy, even without the MAGA personality. But many MMA fighters he is training with say the opposite. So, what have you two guys heard about Colby from other people around him outside his? Personality. I think they mean like, what do you know yeah. about the actual person? I've just constantly heard that the actual person is, is like a decent dude and way different than this. Now you can also tell yourself, did this start as a little bit of a persona and it just kind of became him? Right. But uh, you know, I've I've heard. I've also heard from the beginning, Luke, that all of the public stunts and verbiage was all Dan Lambert writing it for. Yeah. Yeah, um, I, I haven't had much interaction with Colby outside of professional capacity. Um, I did have one where 
Um, he had put me, he was going to be at Fleet Week, and he wanted to see if I wanted to come cover it, which I didn't mind. Um, and I think I was the only media outlet he asked to do that, because I was obviously a veteran. And we tried to make it work. We couldn't make it work um, based on some of the scheduling. But, you know, uh, he didn't call anyone else to go do that. Is like, he a veteran? No, but his grandfather was. He takes it seriously. He, he did, uh, does tons of stuff with the troops, which I don't expect everyone to care about in the way that I do, but it does mean a lot to me. So, you know, I don't like what... I, there's a lot, just, look, there's just a lot of shit he has said that's... I don't, I don't want to hear any arguments about it. It's just indefensible, some of the stuff he said. Some of it's been borderline. Some of it's been, you know, not so big a deal. And, you know, I realize there's a debate around that. I don't know what to do about it because I do think there's part... Like, people are complicated. And I do think there's part of him that's probably a pretty great person who cares about some things that I care about. I also think he's a person who has made a pretty decent living, you know, all things considered, saying fucked up shit. Um, so... You can argue that so have you and I, Luke. Yeah, probably you could. I don't think the same kind of fucked up shit, though. There's different um, levels to it. Luke, can we talk quickly about your military background and the class structures. If somebody said, I'm a veteran, I served in the Coast Guard. Yeah. They're a veteran, right? Yes. Okay, you don't have like, no, you, you're you not this tough. Dude, Coast Guard bubbas are tough, I All don't right, know. All right, good, okay. But like my, Coast Guard sounds lame, dude, but their jobs are fucking hard. How much are, is there actual rivalries within the military? Because, oh, for example, tons. my uncle was in the Navy and all he would tell me was uh, fight stories and bars he had with like Marines and people in the Army. Yeah, that's a lot of stupid shit that old people do that they, they want you to think it's tough because they have no other way to prove it. Um, I would just say there is a rivalry. There obviously is rivalries, but they don't make as much sense as they used to. Like, what's the difference between the kind of combat that people have seen between branches in the last 20 years? I mean, obviously with the fact that the Navy's on water, but I mean between the Marines and the, um, the infantrymen of the Army, it's been almost identical. The skill sets, the Marines are, they're designed to be a altogether different service. It's the smallest of all the services. Um, it's supposed to be amphibious in its warfighting capabilities. They're not really even the same thing. And uh, a lot of these rivalries were born out of like World War II bullshit, you know? Would you say though Marines have the most psychos? Oh, they have the highest rates of um, alcohol abuse and, uh, ter- and this, I don't bring this up like a good thing, it's a terrible thing, but I think m- they have more um, complaints about female integration and is that the assaults. intensity of the training, or or is, partly, or does the Marines attract a certain? They attract fucking psychos. Okay. That's just That's the fair. reality. Yeah. Fair, yeah, I'm sorry. I'd like to tell you it's not, yeah. but it's true. And even after the fact, it got kind of troublesome. This is a true story. I haven't really told this publicly, but like, kind of fucked me up for a bit because I didn't realize how bad it was. There's a lot of scrutiny after the January 6th um, Capitol riot, yes. uh, whatever you want to call it, because a lot of the folks who were arrested had a military either occupation or a background. And folks were like, how radicalized is the military? Much more than you might imagine. Wow. Much more. I remember there's a lot of dudes who I served with who, you know, uh, there might be some small story that happens that, you know, some guy who is, has a vaguely Islamic name commits some crime, and they'll post pictures on Facebook of, like, the crusade. Not pictures, but, uh, you know, images, uh, like, uh, drawn ones of uh, the crusades. <laughs> like... Old, you know, Christianity uh, driving a knife into the heart of the world of Islam. So you didn't, you don't think I would have made it in the armed forces? No, Air Force sounds I like almost, a good occupation for you. I almost joined the uh, the National Guard uh, and, and let dressed That's up. The, they're all. This is the thing. Like when I was twenty, I was like, "You guys are all bitches, blah." And now that I'm forty, it's like, dude, they all serve a, a legitimately valuable. So you have company. no issue with National Guardsmen. I know a lot of Marines. That's a true story. They did eight or ten years. 
and they got sick of the shit because it was awful all the time, yeah. and then switched over and became National Guardsmen, finished their 20, and got a chance to retire. I know that for a fact. Um, so, so yeah, like, it's a valuable thing. It's a valuable thing. Okay. Um, I, one day, I can't wait until you uncover some of the truth that I've uncovered in life, Luke, and then yeah. we can have real talks. Is that right, Matlock? That's a, that's a fucking boomer reference. Jesus. Um, is that right, Inspector Clouseau? Uh, is that the Pink Panther bullshit right there? Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Uh, what Spanish language films have you seen and which did you enjoy the most? All right, let me ask you this question, BC, because Lord knows you ain't seen shit in the Spanish. The answer's no, bro. Okay, the answer's you, no. You haven't even watched Coco in Spanish. No, um, no, no, no. You ever watched the Spanish pornography <laughs> movie? I have not seen I used to watch Sabado Gigante just for Sabado the... Sabado Gigante, Just yeah. for the... the, the um, it's a it's like a, a variety show. Yeah. Well, there was well endowed well endowed women on there. Oh, on Latin TV, how yeah. how unusual. <laughs> so let me. They, it's, that seems so out of character. Yeah. For so them. I I, th- I was very politically correct in in describing that, right? I I, th- I told the line. Yeah, you more or less and stuck the landing. Okay. Have you ever seen a foreign language movie beginning to end? Now, what does that mean? Does that mean did I sit through subtitles? You made me watch Parasite through subtitles, and it was great. So does that count? Yes, that's a foreign language movie, yes. Okay. Well, you think I want you to sit there for two hours listening to Vietnamese? <laughs> I don't you, know. you don't understand? Is that the only Is that one you, I've wait, seen? You, that's literally your question? I, I got to sit here and listen to two hours of Russian? <laughs> no, you can watch fucking subtitles. I don't think I've seen a full subtitled movie besides Parasite. Like, complete subtitles start to... Oh, no, I watched uh, Letters from... You made me watch Letters, letters from... Letters from Iwo Jima, a lot of Japanese. Great. Yeah. Great. Okay. All right, uh, you're not hopeless. Risen fans and I, we love that movie, all right? <laughs> you're not utterly hopeless. But that was, that was all in the last year, though, okay, and I'm 42. So were it not for me is what you're saying. You're, you're already narrow you know, horizons. Look, my wife and I sometimes have this discussion. You, are, you in, in, your t- in small ways, have made me a better person since our... What is, since oh, our wait, hold on, back up. What does your our, wife say? You just said me and my wife. Yeah, she, she believes that you have, you have opened my eyes to being more of a, a kind person. For, to look out for others around me, to uh, even though these are in these are some day to day beliefs I carry out very well in my personal life, you always look are looking out for me. You're always like, BC, do you have what you need? Can I get you something? Here, let me buy you dinner. Why did you buy me dinner last night, Luke? Why? That's what friends do. You don't do, need, bro. need to buy me dinner, Luke. Okay, I probably make close to as much money as you, maybe even more. You might I don't make know, more, Luke. I don't know, but you don't have to buy me shit. But you, but you're telling me you're my friend. I, I appreciate that, Luke. Yeah, that's okay. what kind of guy I am. The rest of you is suspect, but that part of you is uh, is uh, decent. Okay. What do you think of Dominic Cruz's performance in his recent fight? Oh, hold on, I didn't answer the question. Foreign language, Spanish language. Uh, what was the last one I saw? Um, have you seen Money Heist? You have Netflix? Yeah. Have you seen Money Heist? It's not. We're at the point now where where people don't. There's no one who doesn't have Netflix unless you're like over sixty, right? And even then, I bet. I bet. I bet Grace doesn't have. Grace, Grace is like. Grace, do you have 25. Netflix? Grace, you have Netflix. You do have Seriously. Netflix? That's the worst reference you could have pulled. You know, if there was like a janitor around the corner, we could have made a 50 It's only on Netflix, motherfucker. Have you, you not seen Money Heist? The, 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 when I say Spanish, I mean from Spain. I'm thinking of Money Train with J-Lo and uh, Wesley Snipes. No, I'm I not talking about Money Train. Her, her things in that. She might. Um, uh, you've never seen Money Heist? It's actually called uh, Casa de Papel. No. Um, I think you've talked about this. Is this a Mexican cartel movie? I literally just told you it's from Spain. I just got I just got done telling you that. Speaking of doesn't listen. You're like, yeah, they all sound the same. 
You're like, you're like, uh, you're like, uh, who was it? It was Adrian Broner. Mex a can. Yeah. I'm in a can. They all can get it. They all can get it. Yeah, yeah. All right, what'd you think of Dominic Cruz's performance in his recent fight? I didn't watch the whole thing. Remember, I was I, t- I was using the restroom during that, and then I kind of okay. skimmed it. Oh, I'm it. glad you're here, BC. Yeah, I didn't really watch. That's you told me that there was good footwork, that he wasn't as quick as he used to be, but... Yeah, he's he can still beat guys to stay relevant. I but, don't think But let's be honest. He can't, he can't win a fight coming from behind. He needs to be in control of the pace and keep a guy off, off balance, right? I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't say that. He doesn't have the power, Luke. He still has decent durability, and I definitely think he still has enough... Enough smarts and enough speed. You know he's one of my favorite personalities in the history of this sport? Pretty hard to hate. He is just... Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. There is a, 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 a disciplined, intelligent, persevering warrior inside of him. And I know that's a generic thing you can say about every fighter, but like... He's a, he's a special dude, I'm telling you. I never told this before. It's a funny story. I remember um, the day that John Jones sent me to hell was the... So the fight weeks always work... July of 2017. Yeah, well, hold on. But the fight weeks always work like this anymore, but most people know this. And this, sometimes the order can change, but there's usually a, a media day, there's some kind of open workout day, then there's uh, weigh-ins, and then there's a the fight. That's usually... And then again, for boxing, they'll have the grand arrival, Right. Where they are, that's like the Tuesday of the yeah, fight week. Yeah, yeah. They arrive at the casino. That's a moment Fans in boxing. Go nuts. We, they don't do that in MMA, but they do it in boxing for some of the bigger fights. Anyway, so we had that was like a Wednesday where John sent me to hell. The next day was the media day. Now the media day ended up being quite successful for for me and for everybody else. It was great. I had a Brian Ortega interview there that blew up. It was amazing. And uh, I remember. So Dom was there. Dom may not remember this this way, but I remember. It. And I don't think he meant anything by it. It's not like a diss in any way. But he uh, he was so Dom when he. Uh, when he calls fights, he would show up to media day and interview oh, the fighters. Yeah. And like, he's like, and he doesn't want you to talk to him about, like, no. it's like he's serious. He's, he's, he he's in line. He's got a backpack. He's got his notes. And he, he has, has this computer. demeanor that says, do not come up to me and talk to me. I'm working. He like, has that. Like, like, you ever seen those dudes at a university student who don't want to be fucked with yeah. at the library? That's Dominic Cruz, okay? He's not rude or anything, but he's on a mission. And I remember, you know, most people coming up to me the next day were like, dude, what'd you do? You know, I had to answer a thousand questions. He didn't say shit to me. He just gave me this look like it wasn't a mean look, but almost like a, wow, man, I'm sorry. <laughs> he had this look on his face, like, put the, put the ISO on me. It was like, one of those numbers, you know, like, mm, this sorry This after about that. you talked to him? No, I didn't say a word to him. Oh. We just, like, looked at each other. Because he, he was in line to talk to whoever. I was in line yeah. to talk to whoever. And I made eye contact with him. And we know, like, I know who he is. And he was just like, mm, like, mm. yeah, that was bad, bro. That was bad. I was like, yeah, thanks. Luke. 
I know you've met, you've made a joke before that your mentions were a fucking graveyard. Yeah, they were a graveyard. That, how long did they stay that way after John sent you to hell? Like days, weeks? Um, well, it faded quickly. The intensity faded very quickly. But the, you know, it's like you when you leave a room, like the fart smell just lingers. <laughs> It's like you as you're walking past first class to get to code yes. and you're just Yeah. <laughs> it's like it's not he's not actively shitting in my face, but uh, no, in all seriousness, the answer to the question is the intensity faded pretty rapidly. Twitter moves on for the most part, but the amount of like, you know, six months later, oh Luke, I'm not gonna answer your question because I don't like you. Yeah, that yeah, yeah, that yeah. shit lingered pretty, pretty considerably. You gotta give John, can you give him any credit? That was a good zing. I mean, he got you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're not gonna say he didn't. Bullseye. Like, what are you guys talking about? He didn't get me. Yeah, no, it was, it was, dude. The 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 biggest punches and the ones that land the best. Yes. Are the ones you did not see coming, and I, I mean, I couldn't have served him up. Yeah, you you were Chuck Liddell, and he was uh, Rashad. Rashad, Yeah, Yeah. pretty much. Yeah. By the way, I was thinking about this. Do people know that when Rashad knocked out Chuck, and this was in Atlanta, and Atlanta was silent. I mean, the whole crowd there was ready to see. Chuck execute Rashad Evans. That was the general expectation among casuals, certainly anyway. And then Rashad not only won, but he won in the most devastating, awful, kind of like, is Chuck going to be okay kind of fashion. The, what was the place where they did it? The Phillips Arena, whatever it was called, went completely silent. Were you there? Uh, no, but hold on. But I, uh, fr- a bunch of friends of mine were, and Rashad put his hand over his heart yes. and did the Red Fox, Sanford and Son, Mar- uh, was Big it Martha? Attack, yeah. yeah, Martha, I'm coming bit, which is maybe the most underappreciated post-win stunt yes, in UFC yes, history. Yes, I mean, it's not Tito Ortiz digging a grave after surprising Ryan Bader with that choke. By the way, how does Bader live? I know Bader's gone on to great things. He's going to be in the 205 tourney. tough dude. How does he live through? Is that the worst loss by an elite fighter in modern history? Luke? Which one? The Bader lost to Tito Ortiz by submission when Ortiz oh, had yeah. lost like seven in a row. You know what I'm saying? It's bad. That's one of the worst losses to a big-name fighter in modern. Yeah, that's one of those losses like 99 times out of 100, it probably won't go this way. Yes, yes. But the one time that it will, it did. Oh, that's bad. That All right. bad. Oh, hold on. No, no, no. Put that down. Put that down. Put it down. Put it down. Put it down. This is not your podcast. This is mine. Um... Luke, I was speaking to my friend, a casual MMA fan that has a Kate Spade phone. Oh, what is this bullshit, Luke? I'm teasing. But he watches whenever popular fighters like Conor and Adesanya are on a card, he asks. It's 2021. A grown man can have his Kate Spade phone case, especially in, not, man- not if he wants especially to avoid- in manly colors. Can we zoom in here? Look at yeah. the color scheme on that. I mean, you could you be a bigger cuck? Brandon, I mean, behind the camera. This is male, right? Like, this is very- Hold on, Kaduke, this is- Bro, this is important. That's a male pattern, right? Wow, there. could you have more scratches on this? Was, that's, that's a male. Has Reggie Jackson been getting a hold of this <laughs> thing? Reggie, is, Reggie does what he wants. <laughs> well, can we go to our other camera? Grace, Grace, this is this is a male pattern, correct? Look at the color scheme. You're making her focus now. Yeah, well, okay, I see the name, Grace, but what about the the, the what what sex does the pattern scream to you? Yeah, well, I'm glad you're asking our female colleague that, you fucking oaf. I didn't, I, I'm using it as a noun. Luke. Jesus Christ. I, I didn't make it a verb. All right, can I ask this question? Yeah, go ahead. I asked him if Jones versus Francis excited him, and he asked, who is John Jones? It made me wonder, is Jones' star power relatively small for what he can do in the octagon? Yes. And uh, let's go there. Do you, do you believe that it is? Yes, because even though I call him a consistent draw, meaning he gets 
over a period of a decade between 400 and you know 8, 850k in, in terms of pay-per-view buys consistently over you know even as the pay-per-view industry post Mayweather Pacquiao has taken a decided dip mm-hmm. he's still giving you the 4 500s every you, single time you got, so, you got, yeah you got to understand something about pay-per-view but he's never been a consistent million plus we do have to realize That's correct right? so you understand something if you can draw let me put this out here if you can draw 500,000 views on pay-per-view you are an A-lister for pay-per-view there are a handful of fighters in MMA who can draw 500,000 or more. We got fooled into thinking. Hold on, let me finish for crying out loud. Hold on, hold on. In that group of everyone who can draw 500,000 or more, BC, John Jones is closer to the weaker end of that group. Okay. He has never drawn, I think, he might have, he might have a million pay-per-views somewhere. No, he doesn't. The Cormier crazy. rematch was, what, eight, 850? Yeah, but something? that came during a bad time for pay-per-view. Okay, so the point being is, if you're consistently drawing between five and 800,000, please don't misunderstand me. You are killing it. But inside the group of people who are killing it, there's a lot of them who have routinely exceeded the million plus. He is not part of that group. So, understanding that, that's sort of where he is. Would Lesnar versus Nganu draw the biggest numbers if you could match heavyweights from any time at any point together? So the question is, would Lesnar versus Nganu right now? I think he's he, saying. I think he's saying. Imagine if you. What kind of popularity would it be if you had peak Lesnar with this current oh, version God, of Ngannou? That's, that would, that's insane. It would be off the charts. Yeah, yeah. Lesnar was a massive star for when, for the short run that he was here. I mean, you have to understand the rub he had coming out of the WWE, the huge. failed NFL run into. Let's see if he can do this. But it wasn't a. It, again, it wasn't a Kimbo Slice or CM Punk thing. He freaking that Frank Mir loss in their first fight. He basically won it in terms of like the moral win, yeah. and it was like, holy crap, this guy's a real freaking fighter. Yeah. And then he knocks out Randy Couture and wins the championship. So it's like, yeah. uh, it's it, you have to realize that had he had he been a a Kimbo Slice or a CM Punk, it would have gone like this. Instead, it went, yeah. and then it fell off when he got hurt. Right, right, right. Um, okay. But I was going to say, Luke, that. The the build up the five and a half year build up to Mayweather Pacquiao and boxing, um, did tricks with the pay per view industry. Luke, before that, '90s Tyson could get you between a million and two million, and that was like the gold standard. Because there was so much long term demand to see Mayweather Pacquiao, that it became no matter who either one fought, that they could automatically do over a million plus buys because you were like, I need to see these two against each other. Is Pacquiao going to call out Floyd if he beats this guy? You know, and vice versa. And I think that inf- that wrongfully inflated the idea that if you're not pulling a million plus, you are not anybody. And then the crash after Mayweather Pacquiao, which I think then went up again for Mayweather-McGregor, and then you had another post-crash. And obviously, yeah. Rousey and McGregor were in that run as well, but I think it can't be understated that those two crashes sort of killed the business. Not killed it to a, to a death, but made it to where we are now, to your point, where if you do four or 500 on your own as a single draw, that, that's big. Right. Where that may have looked like a disappointment eight years ago. Right. Now, now you realize, no, that's, that's freaking legit. Yeah, no, I think that's right. I think that's absolutely right. Um, BC, when Yoel Romero held your hand during that Showtime interview, yes. do you want to confess anything when that happened? Strong grip. I mean, and he just <laughs> he just basically like like covered like it was my hand was was hiding inside of his. Uh, you know the seven, Luke. What does this mean? I don't know. Does this mean I'm gonna have luck and prosperity in my life? Mean, I don't think it means anything. Zoom in on my seven right here. He, uh, I fit into the inside of his seven, Luke, and he just you know, Luke. He's so thank you thank you Brandon for that zoom in. Luke, he's so loving, isn't he? 
Yoel? Yeah, he's quite like, super friendly. Dude, we didn't have like an off-camera five minutes, how you doing, bro? He no. basically we came did up see, on the we set. Did, we did see him in the lobby later, and we talked to him briefly. Yes, but he just came up on the set, and we had like, what, 30 seconds before we went live? And he was just like, we had been best bros yeah, he was his cool. whole life. Yeah, he was cool. Some guys sort of get it. They sort of get that these media experiences work if everyone's in a better mood. If everyone just tries to like have a little fun, do a little song and dance, and then be on your way, they all kind of work. And he seems to understand that. I, well. I understand that too, Luke. I'm trying to bring life to this very, you know, we, we answer technical questions on Luke's live chat. We don't laugh. We don't get, you know, what I, I'm trying to, I'm trying to yo Romero your life right now, okay? To get you to understand something you BC. don't passion. You understand that this live chat did better numbers than your podcast okay, but before it, this union? But it, I don't not need, about, I don't, you're, you are under the impression that I, success. you're under the impression that I need your help. I do not need your help. You don't need my, you don't need my help commercially, Luke, but to make you and to make them enjoy the experience more, yeah. I'm bringing passion to your No, life. you're bringing distraction. I'd like to read the next question. Uh, how would a fighters union affect the UFC's product? Would it be better or worse for the consumers? Where do you come down on this question? I come down on the answer that the question is not for the fighters. The question is not for UFC. The question is for the consumers. I don't, I, I'll tell you this. I legitimately, uh, I don't think people are paying enough attention to the Ali Act. I've been talking to some folks who are behind that effort. Here's where it stands, because we should get to this a little bit. Where it stands is that the guy who is the main um, sponsor of the bill, the author of it essentially is Mark Wayne Mullen. He's a Republican out of Oklahoma. He needs someone from across the aisle um, to be the new co-sponsor because the previous one was voted out. Um, but they had many, many, many Democratic uh, signatories. So that should not be difficult. Once they do that, they foresee, and this is not an official like thing that they said, but they were just kind of like you know, guessing how long it would take before they had some loss ready for Biden's desk. They think under two years. That seems to me, A, plausible, B, quick, and C, dude, that's a... The laws, if you have you seen the draft work of the Alia? No. Do they it's almost as if they you ever go to like uh, Microsoft Word and you do track changes and then you no. find all the you've never written a paper on Microsoft Word? Not really, I'm not really as, as computer savvy as you might guess. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I imagine, have a imagine they, they went through a document and every time they saw the word boxing, they just put a line through it and above it put MMA. It reads as if that that version it has just been bare bones taken over. Let's just paste it on top of MMA. Now, granted, if it got advanced in legislation, the legislation would change in language through markup and other processes. But you wonder, dude, are we going to have architecture that changes it to that? Because I have to tell you, in terms of the consumer, the biggest change I could imagine would be through the Ali Act, not through unionization. That's fair. There's there's potential there. I think the spirit of that question, though, is asking whether fans will enjoy how much how much fighters getting what they deserve will that uh, negatively affect the product. I think a lot. Enjoy. I think it will neg to have long term change and success. You're going to have some short term growing pains, and we always say this. Like, okay, fight boxers are making more money now than ever. Maybe you can give Al Heyman the respect for that. But are sure. we seeing consistently the as good of matchmaking as we did in the '70s and '80s when Bob Ehrman, Don King were sometimes accused of fleecing fighters and they didn't have the same control and it was sort of like, you're going to fight this next guy next and that you have to do it. That's your fight. Do it. Um, we were getting better fights. We're getting better fights over this run in the UFC because they have so much freaking control and That's the right. fighters haven't organized together and stood up for themselves. Yes, it, naturally we're going to get um, a little bit of a watering down the more control fighters get. The, I think the question you have to ask yourself is, is that better 
long-term for the overall health of the sport, overall, it would the, be, to take care of the guys who are going out there and putting on these wars for our entertainment. You know, obviously you want them to get, there is a way to have both, but I think you will initially see, a, a, if these guys have more say over matchmaking and... Well, see, that's the thing. I don't think that they will. Here's, here's why I say the union, and again, I could be, we would need to talk to a lawyer about this, but this is my, to the best of my understanding, in order to be in a union, not a trade association, but a union which has different legal um, cl- uh, classification and does different things, the union requires you to be an employee, not of the union, but of the organization. Right. So technically it would turn them from independent contractors to employees. Now in most cases, if you're an employee of the New York Giants, I'm an employee of the Philadelphia Eagles, the league just tells you where the fuck you're playing on, sure. on what day. Sure. Now, I would imagine that the fighters would still want to have some kind of language written into any kind of collective bargaining agreement about their right to refuse matchups, either because, uh, you know, I'm injured, I can't take it, or right. blah, blah, blah. But I don't I, actually... We'd remove the desperation of, I'm injured, but I have to take this fight because I have to pay my bills. Right, but I also think that they just would not... I don't, I don't know what the mechanism is in play there that hands control back to them. That happens in the Ali Act, not so much that, as I understand it, with unionization. Well, I think, and also the, another, the big question in terms of matchmaking and how this might affect is if the UFC, for just for an example, as the leading organization, if they are forced to pay more of, of their bottom line and more of their money back to the fighters, will they have the same ability due to a, I guess in, you're assuming they would have less money in the pot, to constantly make these giant big-time matchups that we love, mm-hmm. right? If they're paying guys more, you won't be able to as consistently get these oh, my God, they're loading up that pay-per-view card, too. We may see, a, naturally, a, a, a slowing down of that, correct? Right. That, that, that is certainly possible. Because big matchups, when guys are getting paid what they deserve, cost money. So right. you may see, okay, we're going to put this pay-per-view main event on, but the rest of the card is going to be absolute shite. Yeah. Which sometimes you do see. Sometimes. A little bit. Right? But I also don't think the pay rate, here's the problem with the, with the union. Um, the union, without a competitive market structure to have teams bidding on your services it would raise the UFC fighters' pay, but not to the level that you see in you know, a league where you have the Mariners who want someone from the Nationals, who want someone from the Pirates, and blah, blah, blah. You don't necessarily have that market dynamic, and so you're actually wondering what raises the pay. It would be the, the, the fact that you could collectively bargain, but if you want fighters to get full pay, you need the Ali Act. You're not really gonna get that with unions. So this is where it comes. This is why I think this debate is ferociously interesting. Because the consumers have one expectation, the promoter has one expectation, and then the fighters have a different expectation, and everyone has to get what they need out of this. The problem we have now is there's clearly an imbalance, and we're just trying to figure out how you solve it. But, dude, there is one kind of solution, whichever way you want to look at this, you could implement that's going to turn it in the, another direction where now, let's say, the fighters have too much control and you no longer have the same product. But you can argue that in, in some Pockets of boxing, that's where we have right now. That's exactly right. And um, I do want them to have health benefits, though, fighters, please. Can I mean, we? that's a no-brainer. I mean, that's a that? no-brainer. I don't, they don't need to move in with the Bronsteaders just to get free health care, right? That's right. Although, if they did, though, do you know his vinyl collection is out of control, Luke? Who? Aaron Bronsteader. I love is that it? guy. Great respecter of jazz as the real form of music, the real art in music, yep. is jazz. You realize that, right? All right, last question. Um, well, we both can do this because you pressed this on me, so now we're My going. last question, Luke, I'm just warming up. I'm having a good time. What time is it? It's 4.13. We have time for one more. Did maybe, I ruin maybe. your live chat today or did I add Ruin's a strong word. Ruin's a strong word. Because I'm getting people texting me saying Luke hates you. I don't hate you. No, I, no, I don't hate you. Right. You are annoying sometimes, but I certainly do not hate you. Uh, okay, so BC, I'm going to pitch it to you first. 
uh, what are your religious beliefs? I'm not talking about the 16-year-old's reply of, you believe in a, at least talking to me, you believe in a sky, daddy. I guess a better question would be, what are your thoughts on religion? Why don't you go first, BC, your religious beliefs? Generally speaking, how would you state the nature of your spiritual life? I'm a, uh, I guess, uh, you know, I mean, this, this title doesn't really tell the story, but I guess you could call me a born-again Christian. Okay. Grew up Catholic and distant and didn't really care. You grew up Catholic? Yeah, but did go through the motions, got confirmed, got all that stuff. You've been know, baptized and all that baptized, stuff? Baptized, confirmed, all that, and then... Um, I did not know you grew up Catholic. You know, at a really broken point in my adult life, I had a very dramatic uh, spiritual reawakening. I mean, dr- like, just dramatic, where you were just like, yep, it's real. Apparently it's real. Apparently this is real. And um, I became a Christian. Now, do, am I a... Um, you were a Christian being a Catholic. You know, Catholic is certainly Christianity, but I became more of a, I guess I became more of a... Protestant, sounds like. I became more of a Bible-centered Christian, non-denominational. Okay. I do, I do go to a, uh, I do go to a, I guess a Baptist church, but it's more non-denominational, which is really just focusing on the Bible in a lot of ways. But, you know, at the same time, Luke, there's, there's certainly some, some things in the overall thing. I'm not like, what I've learned, because I, I think, you know, when I became a Christian in the mid, in the early 2000s, you know, I went through a very... Uh, serious run in my life where I was like, oh man, I got to clean up everything in my life. And I've got to be this, almost this, you know, hypocrite and this whatever. And I got to be against everybody and tell everybody what they're doing wrong. And I've certainly learned my, uh, I've learned Luke that, um, you know what I know? Nothing. Yeah. I, know, I don't know a lot, right? What I do know, I, I cling to and I believe in and I try to share and help others. But I don't know all the answers. I, I, I don't know what's going to make your life better. I can give you advice, but I don't know. But I'm here for you just the same. I believe that. I believe so that. there is a man named Jesus Christ that I love. God, I love that guy. And I will stand up for him, Luke. If you want to fight me over that name, if you drop any more of these JC bombs that you like to throw the F word in the middle of, uh, I'm not down for that. We could come up with those. I also have a TF word I like to drop. But but yes, that guy saved me from a lot of uh, trouble in my life and my kids as well. So uh, um, you're damn right it's real. I mean, listen, I like to make a lot of jokes about it, mostly to to tilt BC. But the truth is, I I don't claim, I'm sort of like you, I don't claim to know, I don't know what happens when we die. I do not know. I certainly believe that um, you know there's a significant room for interpretation about what happens when we die. I understand that most people seek out any version of the Abrahamic religion for internal guidance, for social guidance, for social bonding, for any reason why you might do those kinds of things in a genuine, and to use the term, good faith. Yep. Kind of way. So in all seriousness, like I really don't. I mean, I just don't have any issue with it. For me personally, what do you call yourself? I guess atheist agnostic, or which they're, they're not exactly okay, the same so thing. But uh, with full respect to you, because I because I love you, Luke. Um, do you believe there's any form of other power out there? Like, there's any right or wrong and reason to this world? Do I believe in absolute right and wrong? Do you believe in a form of a god that's controlling or, or, or overseeing or refereeing or anything? I don't tend to think that the evidence bears out that there is, but I certainly okay. reserve the right to, to say that the amount of evidence that we have is probably fairly limited, and right, so right, let's right. see what happens. Kind and do of you believe in a, in a concept of like a heaven and hell afterlife? I do not. I believe those are barbaric and ancient. Well, that's fair. Um, that's fair. Uh, so um, my only issue is, the, and this is sort of where the rubber meets the road a little bit, um, I grew up, I was raised Christian as well. I just moved away from it because I no longer found it a convincing way to, to uh, guide my personal existence or that it, it explained the, the real world in any kind of way that mattered to me. Um, I also don't think that any of the Abrahamic religions really offer a coherent and modern moral guideline. Um, 
I've learned in my time, Luke, so, that the worst thing you can actually be is religious. Like, I hate that term. People are like, oh, I forgot you're religious. It's like, because that, 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 that. Uh, it depends what you mean. It by speaks it, so like. much into like principles and like, you know, stern, yeah. you know, whatever. Well, know. that you just can't interact with this person without it being an ever present fact. Yeah. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Can't we the, just love each other, Luke, you and I? Yeah. The one thing I will can't say. Can't two grown men in 2021 just so. love each other? I think so. The one thing I would say is uh, the one thing I did not like about Christianity at all. The part of my life that I did spend in the Deep South, I found the evangelical Christians, I found them oppressive and awful. Well, I found that man ruins a lot of, of God's Well, that version of them in particular. Yeah, let me tell you yeah. something. When I left the South and I knew that I was leaving those social forces behind, for the most part, I did the jig because I don't think that they make anyone's life any better ever. Um, so there you go. That's it. Okay. Do you want to open up some gifts? Yeah. So a lot of, you know, a few of well, our... How do you say gift in Spanish? Regalo. I don't know. Regalame is what well, Colombians say. I look say. like I'm cultured. Colombians so, um, say gift Look, me. we've got, you know, we've got great viewers, all of our people. We really love them. And a couple of them have said, oh, you're gonna be, you guys are going to be back in the bomb shelter. Let me send you some stuff. So Luke, do you know about that? Uh, one, of our, one of our growing great listeners, a, a real nice fellow by the name of Lee Selker, former Duke wrestler, you know that guy? He wrestled at Duke? Yeah, he did. He did. He, his know, wife man. is Peruvian, Luke. Okay. He has sent these, and he needs you to try Peruvians them. have the best cuisine in South Check America. Check out these Peruvian sauces that Lee has sent us, Luke. Crema de rocoto. I've never had that. I have had this one. Um, Juan Caina, as I think how you say it. I'm not sure. Aji is like their sauce. Okay. So queso is cheese. Aji is, like, like is like salsa, kind of. Not exactly. Well, considering I am the sauce, Luke, and I understand it's important. Juan Kaina? I do like Juan the idea Kaina? of these packets with the, with the spout. Luke, we should buy a Sorry. nondescript piece Juan of meat. Juan Kaina, I think is how you say it. Juan Kaina. You want to buy a non, nondescript piece of meat with me and pour these on there, Luke? Do you think this is hot? This is red hot chili sauce. Do you know El Rico Sabor de Casa? You know what that means? Um, uh, okay, in your house is the casa, right? Yeah. So is Sabor like... It's uh, like basically saying like the best flavor. Oh, okay. The was, richest flavor. Yeah, yeah. Taste. And also, Luke, he says we need to make popcorn and put this nutritional yeast seasoning on top of it. That I've heard that. Our, I've that never that used that. will change our damn life, he says. All right. And you got to make the popcorn yourself. I've sure. had this, so you have to have it, but I want to try this, the right. crema de rocoto. Okay. Thank you, Lee. We appreciate that. We will check that out, maybe on Room Service Diaries. And I've had this one, too. A buddy of mine made it who's Peruvian. Um, this is extremely good. This is a little bit um, plain in my judgment. But it's it's quite good. Now, would your wife, who who loves being Colombian, would she be down with Peruvian? She cuisine? loves Peruvian food. Okay. She do Peruvian food is I don't know if you know anything about. I know you because you're always like they don't like this country, they don't like this. Country. Well, here's the thing: when they come to the United States, everyone's like, "Yay, we're all Latinos, yeah. we're all one." And then you go to their countries, and they all talk shit about each other. I've seen it a million times. So uh, yes, there is a little bit of rivalry. But I, dude, most people from like Spanish-speaking countries that I've ever talked to. They all kind of like Peruvian food is, right. it's, it's low mejor. If, you know? Do you think Lee is secretly setting me up to shit my pants by sending these? No, he's you giving you, this is, I mean, this is store-bought shit, but like, compared to what you, compared to the fucking raccoon garbage shit you eat, I, I, uh, this I, is amazing. I resemble that remark. Okay. You resemble it, do you? Yeah, thank you. All right, there thank you, Lee, for that one. Uh, let's go to the next goodie bag we got here, Luke. Next box. Uh, all right, this is a, uh, in the making, Luke. There's a man named... Um, Named Travis Mullen, big time fan of what we do here at MK. Luke, do you know he owns a brewery? Uh, I do now. He was tr he's been trying to send us some good shit for a while, Luke. So he says, uh, "You want to read this, Luke, real quick?" Uh, 
Oh, okay. It's not much, actually. He just no, says, thanks no. for all the killer content. Hope these beers find you well. Here's a list of ABVs for the cans. Cheers. And then he gives the names and their percent alcohol. So he, he represents Imprint Brewing Company, Luke. Which We're, we're just giving we're, them free advertising. We are giving here. very... Well, look, because they're giving us free shit, Luke. It's a, great, it's a great tandem right there, okay? Are you saying we want them to send us free shit? I didn't say that, because we're going to get gross things, Luke, like a bag full of stick picks or something. But... Yeah. Um, but our man has outfitted us with, with many a nice beer in there, so I'm very excited. To Busted Bracket Impent in beer. It's an IPA. Wow, more IPAs. We don't have enough of those. We got a lot in here. Uh, Look, he has curated our beer for this All week. marshmallow everything. That sounds awesome. And then this one is dough. Like, like no, no, DDH. This is grumble? Crumble? I'm not sure what it is. Oh, here we go. Citra crumble crumble. Double dry hopped double IPA. Oh, that sounds fantastic, Luke. Sounds like a thing you. So would like. uh, we are fired up out of uh, Hatfield, Pennsylvania. The uh, the Imprint Brewing Company, Luke. I cannot wait to take these down. Maybe, Why don't you try one? Maybe during uh, right now, maybe. Yeah, have one. All right. They're a little warm, but it's okay. No, they're actually pretty cold. He it's sent an IPA. it. He sent it with some. Uh... Let me see. Ooh! Wow! Puffsicle. Colada pomegranate. You might have to hold on. That open so right here. pick a beer. I'll tell you what the what the uh, ABV is. Pick How about that one right there? All right. So this one is the uh, Puffsicle Colada. Uh, six percent. All right. What about this uh, Mango Rex? Five point six. All right. I'll try that one, Luke. I'll try that Salud. one. And I know we cheers before we opened it, but they can. This is all to all. They Columbians. can all. They this, can, look, this is to all. Columbians. Well, if it's Colombians, we gotta do a Colombian style. Peruvian Hang on, people. Okay. Hang on. Hang on. Arriba, abajo, el centro. Dude, this is delicious. That is shockingly. That is. That's like a milkshake in a can. That is. That fantastic. is so motherfucking good. Bro, I'm not, like. <laughs> that okay. is like shocking. So I know. Good. Here's what I. Here's okay. Here's the deal. People are watching, going, "Oh, you're saying nice you things want a glass? about." Get a glass. Get a glass. You, people are probably thinking, oh, you guys are just saying nice things about imprint get, brewing. Get a, get a few. Get a few. Because they hooked you up. Luke, you have actually spoken bad about alcohol that, <laughs> that, is, <laughs> that we have sponsors here. We, and they we, had, we had sponsors, and I was like, yo, fuck this alcohol. And they were like, oh, my God, we need, you to, want trade? We need to delete that. You know? Can I try? Yeah. I, you, you got COVID tested already. No. Uh, I do have AIDS. <laughs> oh, my God, that's really good. It's like a smoothie and a, and a beer can. Mine's better than yours, and yours is good. Wow. Holy, right. dude. I am, like, shocked at how good this is. This, shout out to the folks at Imprint Brewing, bro. That was a good call. I don't, I don't know if they got a double XL for you, Luke. Cool. Hopefully, but, uh, yeah. Thanks. All right. Grace, got, you want one? I have put my lips on it, but no, Grace I, don't, I don't actually have it. Dude, Grace is actually, like, uh, can, I, can I get it off the show you right now? Her? Can you give that to her? She doesn't want it, Luke. You don't want it? Oh, you she do. does. Okay, Here, give her ladies Grace, first. come get it. The camera's fine. All right. She's not. No, no, no. Don't make her be on camera. Please don't make her be on camera. No, I don't. Some people don't want to. Are do you it. in our yeah. HR trial later? Yeah, this exactly. Be, right, this is right, where right. HR. Yeah, all right, yeah. All right. Sorry, Grace. Here you go. Here, dude. Yep. All right, Luke. We got more free shit. You want to do one more? Yeah. All right. This is from our folks at Rustic Tribe Design in Ramsey, New Jersey. I cannot believe how good this is. Right? Did you try it? What do you think? That's pretty good, right? 
By the way, our our buddy Travis curated these beers with you in mind, knowing that you're not an IPA. Look at look at this piece. We gotta get these things out of the way. Yeah, get that shit. So the way it works is you have a bottle opener here. You have mixer and like 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 beam Coke glass bottle here. They're a little like they're little. What do you want to call them? Um, Caddies. Yeah, for drinking. We should almost consider putting these as part of the set. This is I think this has to be part of the set. Um, that, that's a. Uh, there's one thing that unites us. It's MMA and drugs. Rustic Tribe Design. Our friends over there in New Jersey uh, made this for us. Luke, this is fan friggin' tastic. So, uh, thank you everyone for. Dude, these are like a bit these are like your... real wood. These are heavy. No, these are well made. That is, that is fantastic. That's I know this cool. became an infomercial of free shit, Luke, but we support people who support us. What does Steven Jackson like to say of all the smoke? I got love for people who have love. Is that what he says, Luke? I don't know. I got a hole through the center of mine. You don't. What's this for? Probably something sexual. I don't think that's what it's for. But I'm betting you'll try. All right. I'm sure. I don't want to see. I don't want to see dick splinters. I'm sure it has tomorrow. something to do with alcohol, Luke. It's probably well intentioned. All right. Uh, all right. Anything else now that you've sullied my live chat with your? Dude, this is really good. Yeah, I know. I'm shocked. I'm like legitimately shocked. What kind of beer? You want to try the other ones before we get off, or we should just get no, off? No, no, let's just no. end the show. Let's just end. All right, so as a reminder, uh, big thanks to Brian for taking part in today's live chat. Like the video, send it around to folks who may not have seen it before. It's a little something like this, although it's usually just me. You can see, however, all of us, uh, including Morning Combat, on social media right there. Uh, give us a follow, as you can see the names are a little bit different between Instagram and Twitter for both BC and I. I can't wait to dip my meat in that Peruvian sauce. We want to shout out Imprint Brewing for the fantastic shit over there in Hatsfield, Pennsylvania. I could not believe how good that is. And uh, I got a nice little holder for it right here. That's and I'll cool. say this, uh, we're back tomorrow morning. We have another MK, and we have a post-fight show tomorrow for the debut of Bellator on Showtime. So come right back here after the fight between Pitbull and Emmanuel Sanchez, all right? For Brian Campbell, I'm Luke Thomas. Thank you so much for watching. Until next time, stay frosty.